in verse 16, a prophecy of Jesus. Okay. We'll have two places where we'll be looking at to make our points here in Isaiah 28, 16. And earlier, Brother Fletcher read to us from 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10, and Peter uses this prophecy as he explains who Christ is and who we are. So quickly, let's read Isaiah 28, verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a, as a foundation in Zion, I have laid a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. And whoever believes will never be ashamed or never be put to haste. Okay. And so please have your Bibles open to both Isaiah 28:16 and 1 Peter 2, and you'll see exactly where we are going. Jesus presented to us as the stone, the stone. The scriptures present Jesus to us in a variety of ways. We know Jesus uh, from John 6 as the bread of life. We know Jesus from John 10 as the, the shepherd of of the sheep. We know Jesus from John 8 as the light of the world. We know Jesus from Ephesians 1 as the head of the church. We know him to be the king of kings. We know him to be uh, the Lord of lords. But also the Bible presents Jesus as the stone. The stone. And let's notice this a little bit closer uh, this morning. First of all, Jesus is the tested stone. Isaiah 28, 16. He is the tested stone. And you can see this very clearly from Scripture. We know from uh, Philippians 2, 5 and 6 that Jesus left heaven above and he came down here and he took upon flesh and he was made in the likeness of man and he took upon him also the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of of the cross, Jesus came to this earth and he was tested. He was tested and he was tried. From the book of Hebrews we read in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, he was tempted in all points just like we are yet without sin. Now, Jesus being tested brought salvation to this earth. How thankful we are. Jesus being tested brought salvation to this earth. Because Jesus was tested and found without sin, Jesus is that Lamb of God, the Lamb of God that gave himself for the sins of the world. Peter mentions this in 1 Peter 1 and 19, 1 Peter 1 19, when Peter says, we're not redeemed with corruptible things, but rather we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Jesus being tested brought salvation uh, to this earth, but also uh, Jesus being tested, uh, he presents to us the perfect example to follow. The perfect example to follow. We remember his great contest there in the wilderness all by himself with Satan. Satan met Jesus in the wilderness. One thing that stands out to us there is that it, it appears that Jesus made himself just as weak as one could be made weak in order, to, in order to meet Satan in the wilderness. You read there in your, for yourself in, in Matthew 4, 
verses 1 and 2. And Jesus, it says there, he had fasted for 40 days and nights. Okay. And it seems that Jesus is doing this for us. The Lord is doing this for us because he wanted us to see that Jesus, even at his weakest moment, because when you fast, you are hungry and tired. He had fasted for 40 days, and yet even in this weakened, weakened state, Jesus was able to meet Satan and defeat him on that occasion. And that ought, to, that ought to impress upon us the fact that Jesus is well able to be our example, and he is well able to help us overcome Satan as well. You see, Jesus is tested, tested. He's the tested stone. Being tested, he's the perfect uh, example, But also, uh, Jesus being tested, he constantly encourages us. Because I, I want us to understand that Jesus being tested while on earth, while on earth was not just a one-time event. It wasn't a, he was constantly tested. Constantly tested. Look in your Bibles with me uh, to Luke 22, 28. Look what Jesus says there uh, to his disciples. Luke 22, uh, 28. He says to them, you are those who have stayed with me in all of my trials. I just noticed that closely. He said to his disciples there, Luke 22, 28, you have stayed with me in all of my trials, all, all of my tests. Notice it's plural, not just one. He doesn't just meet Satan one time. It's all of my trials, all of my trials. Jesus was constantly tested, constantly tested. And this is to be a constant encouragement for us. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like life? Do you ever feel like Satan himself is, is picking at you at all the time? He's coming at, coming at you from all corners of life and tempting you, whether it be in your social life or whether it be just uh, within your physical body or whether uh, he tries to get in your mind and cause you to doubt or to worry. Do you ever feel like Satan's coming at you from all different directions? Well, Jesus even more so because he was constantly on trial. He was constantly being tested. You know. For example, I think about Peter, Matthew 16, 22 and 23. Jesus had just explained to Peter and, and the disciples, look, I, I'm going to be heading to Jerusalem. I must suffer there. I must be crucified on the third day I'll be raised. And Peter said, no, Lord, no, Lord, we'll never let this happen to you. And Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You mind the things of men, not the things of God. See, Jesus is constantly being tempted by Satan from different sources, but he's being tempted by Satan to not go to the cross, to, to be weak in the flesh and to be weak in the spirit and, and not go to the cross. You remember when Jesus was being arrested, Matthew 26, 52 and 53, that Peter took out his sword, took out his sword and chopped off a guy's ear. And Jesus said, put up your sword. Do you not know, Peter, right now at this time, I could call upon 12 legions of angels if, if we're going to fight like that. But Jesus was determined to go to the cross, but he was constantly being, being tested. And this test of Jesus is for our good. If we feel like that we're being salted by Satan on, on every occasion and in different ways, you know, whether it be our spirit, our anger, or whether it be 
you know, just temptations not to give God our best or, or not to worship Him uh, fully. Regardless of what that might be, uh, we need to know that Jesus even more so uh, was tested. The thing about Jesus is in His test, He never lost a contest. He never lost a battle. Okay. He did no sin. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.22, He never did do a sin. Neither was guile ever found in His mouth. No one else can ever, ever say that. We we travel the world, we, we spend money as, as a people to go and, and, and watch athletes play and they have good records, but they don't have perfect records. Okay. Even your best home run kings have struck out on a number of occasions. Even the greatest champions have lost some games. Jesus never lost a contest and the Lord presents to him, presents him to us as the tested stone so that we can put our, put our trust Fully in Him. He is tried, He's tested, He's true. We do that all the time, even with the smallest things. You know, it, I, I'm a little bit um, particular about the pen that I use. And when I find a good pen, a good pen, it's hard for me to, and if I lose that pen, I slap myself around for several days if I lose it because it was, it was, it was tried, it was true, it was tested. We do this with cars, we do this with with a restaurant, you know, we'll try out a restaurant. And if we get good results time and again from that restaurant, then we'll go back to that. The, the ideal here is that Jesus is tried, he is tested, he is true, he is perfect, and he is the one that we are to follow. He's the tested uh, stone. Secondly, this morning, Jesus is the foundation stone, Matthew, or rather Isaiah 28, 16 again. He's the foundation stone. We know him to be this. We remember Matthew uh, 16 when Peter uh, remarked, Jesus, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Okay. Jesus is that foundation stone. Paul refers to this in 1 Corinthians uh, 3, uh, verses 10 and 11. He says uh, that Jesus is our only foundation, basically what he says. Is, he says, no other foundation has been laid than that which has been laid, and that is Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul simply saying that Jesus is the only foundation upon which to build our lives. When Jesus is our foundation, when Jesus is our foundation, we will not resort to our own selves. We won't resort uh, to our own cleverness in order to try to impress people. Okay? We will simply follow the Lord. Paul, the Apostle Paul makes this point in 1 Corinthians 2 and verses 1 through 5 where he says, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellent speech. I didn't come to you with the wisdom of men, but I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, and When Jesus is our foundation, He will do. He is suffice. He, he is everything to us and He doesn't need our cleverness. He just needs us to share His Word and to live according to His will. When Jesus is our foundation, we'll remain calm and confident. We will be strong and steady even in the storms of life, right? Even in the storms of life, we'll be confident and calm in our Lord. Jesus gave this little story about the man 
who built a house upon the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house but it stood firm because it was founded upon the rock and the way he started that there in Matthew 7 24 the way he started that was he said whoever hears my words and then does them shall be likened unto this man who builds his house upon the rock and the rains and the floods come and the winds blow and beat upon it and beat upon it but it stands firm because it's founded upon a rock and not upon the sand. So even in, in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of very difficult times, Jesus as our, as our foundation, we can remain strong. He is the foundation stone. When Jesus is our foundation, we can teach and serve faithfully, can't we? So many, when you look around, are trying to build a church upon, upon a, someone's personality. They try to build a church upon uh, social groups. They try to build a church upon financial advantage or this or that, finances. Okay. Uh, we build the church if we're going to follow the Lord. We, we help build the church uh, by relying upon Him. And, and his foundation. Everything else, as, as that song says, I think it's number 298 in our book. The song says, Shifting Sand, Some Build. Let me just read this to you a little bit here. There stands a rock on shores of time that, rear, that rears to heaven its head and sublime. That rock is cleft, and they are blessed who find within this cleft a rest. Some build their hopes on the ever-drifting sand. Some on fame or treasure or their land. But mine's on the rock that forever shall stand. Jesus, the rock of ages. Okay. And that's what we're saying. Jesus is our foundation stone. We can, we can teach faithfully because we won't be preoccupied of trying to build on, on false foundations. On sand. Some tried to build on, on treasure. Some tried to build on social uh, gatherings. But we build uh, on the foundation of Jesus' words. Okay. Now you, can take, you can take just a plastic shovel and move a lot of sand. You have watched probably water come in, whether it's the ocean or a lake, and, and as, as the waves come in and and hit against the, the, the bank on the shore, it just carries sand with it. And you can see what Jesus is saying. Some build their hopes on sand, on things that will be here today, but gone tomorrow. But Jesus is the true foundation stone. He's the tested stone. He's the foundation stone. In the third place, He is our precious stone. He's the precious stone. Looking over not only Isaiah 28, but on into 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 6, you'll see Jesus called there the precious, the precious stone. Precious means that which is special and unique. Everything about Jesus is special and unique and precious. For example, notice what Peter says about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is precious. 1 Peter 1, verse 19 again. We're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold or the traditions of men passed down from generations. But he says, we are redeemed with the precious blood 
of Jesus. You see, that precious blood brings peace to our lives. It has the power to bring peace to our lives. It's interesting that as Jesus talked about the Lord's Supper with his disciples, he took the cup. He told them, now you'll be drinking all this with me in my Father's kingdom. But he took the cup and he says, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You see, Jesus' blood is precious. And don't you see that as important as that is, it's also very important that we submit to the will of God. Uh, Peter, being guided by God in Acts 2, 37 and 38, when they asked, what shall we do about our sins? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You see, as we surrender, and I love that, that last song that talks about surrendering uh, to our Savior there, as we were talking about Jesus coming to this earth and dying for our, we surrender to the Savior. And so it's very important to notice that Jesus came and he offered and shed his blood on the cruel cross and resurrected on that third day. But it's also important that we surrender our will to him. Part of that surrendering, Peter says, is to repent. That is, turn from our sins and be buried in water for the remission of sins. Jesus' blood is precious. But also if you look at uh, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, you notice that the promises of Jesus are precious. The promises of Jesus are precious. Uh, and his promises are incredible. Uh, they extend from this life until the next. Uh, for example, Jesus promises to be with us in temptation. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation that has taken us but such as is common to man, but God will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that we may be able to endure it and to bear it. Jesus is with us. He promises to be with us. Okay. Just as Peter promised there in Acts 2.38, when we repent and we're baptized, Jesus promises to bring us forgiveness of sins. He cannot lie. His, his promises are precious, you see. Jesus promises to, be with, promises to be with us when we serve him, when we teach. Matthew 28, verse 20, he says, uh, you know, he, he, he had told him to go and make disciples and then to teach uh, the world all about the Lord. And he says, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. There in Matthew 28, verse 20. His promises are very, very precious. We are to commit ourselves to him and, and then daily recommit ourselves to him and uh, the apostle in hebrews 13 5 and 6 says as we do this then he promises this i will never leave you nor forsake you okay. particularly there in hebrews 13 he's warning about covet covetousness greed the love of money he says as you make the commitment to me and are not carried away by the love of money then i will be with you every day i'll be with you his promises are so precious and there's none so precious as what Jesus says in John 14, beginning in verse 1. And I tell you, this little promise in John 14, if, if I was suddenly called upon to just give a Bible verse that would give hope, this is the one. John 14, beginning in verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Can't we see that not only is the blood of Jesus very precious, but his promises are very precious. He promises when we obey, he'll forgive. He promises that as we commit to him on a daily basis, he'll be with us. He promises if we teach his gospel, he'll be with us. He promises that as we meet Satan in temptation every day, that he'll be with us. He promises that as we live a faithful life to him, when we leave this earth, whenever that may be, he will uh, be with us. Peter also mentions that our faith in him is precious. 1 Peter 1 verse 7. We'll just mention that because we need to move on. But there are th three things precious when we think about Jesus. There's his blood. There are, there are his promises. And then there's the faith that we have in him. It, it becomes very precious. And I think about some of those guys in the book of Acts who were following Jesus. They would not give up that faith. There Paul and Silas is in, in Philippi, Acts 16, 25. They've been beaten because they've been teaching. Okay? But you find them inside the prison cells, inside the prison dungeons, and they're singing and praising uh, to God right there at midnight. The faith is very precious indeed. Jesus is the tested stone. Jesus is the foundation stone. He's the precious stone, but he's also the living stone. The living stone. This is brought out in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 6 as well. He's the living stone. And it's altogether appropriate that Jesus is called the living stone, first of all, because he created life, didn't he? John 1, verse 1. He created life, Colossians 1, 16. He's the one that gave us life in the first place here on this earth. It's also appropriate that Jesus is called the living stone because he was once dead, he tells John in Revelation 1, 17 and 18. He said, I was dead, but I am alive forevermore. Because of his resurrection from the dead, Jesus is called the, the living stone. And because Jesus is the only one who can give us spiritual life, then he is the living stone. He's the only one that gives us spiritual life. Do we understand him? It's a review for most of us, but let us never forget that when we're in our sin, we are dead in God's sight. We are dead in our sins, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. We are dead in our sins. But as we come to Jesus in obedience, then he lifts us out of that deadness and gives us a new life. Okay? He gives us spiritual life. And so that's why he's the living uh, stone. Jesus, according to Peter, in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, he gives us a living hope. Okay? Of course, he's a living stone because he's the one that has given us life. He's the one who has been resurrected from the dead. He is, he's the one who can bring us out of our sin and give us life, spiritual life. Okay? But he also is the one who gives us that living hope that is beyond this life. That's what the world needs. Oh, how desperately the world needs it. Now looking right there at 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, notice that Jesus refers to us. Okay? Now he's referred to himself as the living stone. Now in 1 Peter 2, 5, he's going to refer to us, Christians, to, to those who follow him 
as living stones ourselves. He says we are living stones. And we are part of a spiritual house. And as part of that spiritual house, we offer up spiritual sacrifices. Okay. Now, that ought to impress upon us several things, but it ought to bring out some sort of passion. It ought to bring out of us some sort of enthusiasm. It ought to bring out of us some sort of excitement when we are in worship and when we are living for Christ day by day. I'm wondering if some of us could not be described like Jesus described the church at Sardis in Revelation 3, 1 and 2. He says, you have a name that lives, but you are dead. Now he's speaking to the church, those who have been redeemed, those who have come to Christ in obedience, the church at Sardis. He says, yeah, you've got a name that lives, but in reality I'm looking at you and you're just as dead as a doornail. Okay. Now how is it that a group of us brings a passionate, truthful worship to God? It must come out of each of our hearts. Okay. We need to remind ourselves that we are living stones. I know it sounds weird. A stone, when we look at a stone... A stone looks lifeless. A stone, you just carry a stone and you lay it down. It looks lifeless. But that's the reason God is trying to capture our attention. He says, you're not just stones being put in a house to build it. You are living stones. And you are building up a spiritual house. And you are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16... He says, you are the house of God, the temple of God, and it is God who lives within you. I wonder about that. Do you? Do you ever wonder about that? Do you ever think about that? Do we think about, do we realize, is it part of our reality? Do we, do we see, do we know, okay, that, that the Lord God is living within us? And if that is the case, then we ought to be like Him. We ought to be just as passionate uh, for lost souls as he is, we ought to be just as passionate as Jesus was for praying to and, and worshiping the Father. And it ought to show some. It ought to come out in our singing. It ought to come out in our, in our Bible study. It ought to come out with our attendance, don't you think? I just thought that that ought to be emphasized because we are, we are called living stones of all things. We're called living stones. We serve the living stone and he has made us living stones. And we are to be offering up spiritual sacrifices. We're not to be living for ourselves. And then finally, Jesus is not only the living stone, but we will notice one more. And he is the chosen stone. Chosen stone. Again, out of 1 Peter 2. Chosen stone. This may be one of my favorite little characteristics. Chosen. Of course he's chosen. You remember when, when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and there from the other world, the afterlife, who appears but Elijah and Moses, but then God speaks from heaven, and what does he say? This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Okay. Now, in the company of Elijah and Moses, who are we to hear 
Hear the Lord Jesus. He is the chosen one. Remember the Lord Jesus, Matthew 16, 13, he said to his disciples, who do men say that the Son of Man, who do men say that I am? And they said truthfully to him, they said, well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets. Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the chosen one, Lord, you are the chosen one, you see. Jesus, and talking about Judgment Day, Matthew 12 and 41, he says, uh, in the days of Nineveh, they repented at the preaching of Jonah, but behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Who's the chosen one? Jesus. Matthew 12, 42, the queen of the south back in Solomon's day. The queen of the south came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But behold, Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here. Who's the chosen one? Jesus is that chosen one. The scripture makes that abundantly clear, doesn't it? It's interesting to me, as you read in Luke 23, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And they're making fun of him. They're, they're mocking him. Let me find the exact verse on that. They're mocking him. They said, they said to him oftentimes, you saved others, but you're not going to save yourself. You who said that you could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Uh, why aren't you coming down from that cross? If you look at down in Luke uh, 23, verse 35, they say this. He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, if he is the chosen one, notice that. Even the enemies of Jesus could see that he is the chosen one. If you're the chosen one, then they didn't understand. But he had all the marks of being the chosen one. He claimed to be the chosen one. He is the Christ, the Son of God. If you're the chosen one, come down from the cross. It's interesting to me that God had that recorded, that mocking recorded, so that we could be reminded again that He is the chosen one, the chosen stone. Sometimes God uses bad people to speak good things. You remember Pilate's wife? She told Pilate, have nothing to do with this righteous man. For I've suffered many things in a dream because of him. But she referred to him as a righteous man. God using a bad person to speak a good thing. And that's what he's doing here in Luke 23, 35. They're, they're mocking him, but they're speaking the truth. He is the Christ. He is the chosen one. Now why would God present Jesus as the stone to us? Because he wants us to choose properly. So that we can be part of his chosen ones. The living stones. One of the purposes for our gathering on the Lord's day is to remember Jesus. It's simply said, but it's a powerful idea. 
It's the Lord's command. And it's only right that we take what the Lord has said and think about it a little bit. Especially as we are, we're getting ready now to assemble around the Lord's table and remember Him, His sacrifice on our behalf, the powerful shedding of His blood. To do that on, on the Lord's day, the resurrection day. But Jesus is presented to us as the stone, the stone. Indeed, as Peter says to us in 1 Peter 2, he says, yes, he was rejected of men, but in the sight of God, chosen, chosen. Never lose sight of the sight of God. Don't get thrown off because of what mankind is doing. Don't get thrown off because of the choices that men make. God prophesied that his son would be rejected, but he's also the same one who is chosen. Do you need to come home to the one who loves you so much? If you have any spiritual need, please make that known this morning, right now, as we stand together. Brother Ben, as we stand together, as we sing.